Seventh Avenue Pizza, the official pizza of the Soda Pod. The Soda Pod, the official beer and hockey podcast of Seventh Avenue Pizza. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to MNCAA. I'm your host, Nick Maxson, trying to bring in Max speech for all things NCAT. Max, uh, we're going to have a pretty heavy UMD uh, kind of focused episode. We covered quite a bit on the recaps for St. Cloud on the Huskies Warmer Now's podcast on their sister channel of the Soda Pod. So uh, let's first start off with, um, I suppose, your weekend and, you know, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, actually. You know, positive vibes only. We didn't get two wins, but it is exactly as I expected. If you read any of the articles I put out, I predicted a tie and a win. So it's what I what I what I thought would happen. You know, slow start to the season for UMD, as is tradition, apparently. So um, I thought we saw a lot of good things, and I thought we saw a lot of things that needed improvement, as you're going to see with almost every college hockey team at this point in the season. So um, nothing I'm too mad at. Uh, inside the team but we can get into the other stuff uh, in just a sec yeah and speaking of like overreaction sunday we talked about this a little bit with uh the boys in the past segment about saint thomas uh, giving university of minnesota a run um we'll stick with the nchc here were you a bit surprised of the reaction down in mankato with saint cloud and the mavericks I was surprised. If we're being totally honest, uh, I thought it was going to be a much closer series than a lot of people were given credit, at least to, to Mankato. Um, with that being said, I did not see them in any universe taking two. Um, but with that also being said, UMD took two from them last year on a team that UMD was underperforming. So um, St. Cloud is in that same situation that UMD is in, at, at least it's seeming that way so far into the year where you're going to have some pretty high highs and it looks like you're going to have some pretty low lows along the way as well. So um, hopefully they rebound pretty well. It'd be good for the conference, good for the state. And, you know, I don't want to rag on those guys too much. It is fun to have a little bit of, you know, online fun and banter with some of them and just hold a little bit of uh, a cherry over their head. But um, I, I still do want that team and some of those players to succeed. And it's, it's better, like I said, for the state and, uh, um, for college hockey when when the Huskies are in it and and playing well. So uh, I think there's brighter days ahead for sure for them. But yeah, it, it was certainly a surprise. I was surprised too, Max. And, and you know, I'll tell you a couple of things. You know, when you blow a 2 nothing lead, that's not something historically a Brett Larson-led team uh, does right. very often, right? And uh, it just kind of feels like to me, and, uh, you know, obviously calling the women's games this past weekend, I had to catch the highlights for the men's. It just seemed like with the lineup changes and, there's some of the things I saw on tape that this team is still trying to figure itself out a little bit. So there's good and bad to that, right? You and me couldn't figure themselves out all last year. I can't. No. Uh, <laughs> no, you're right. You're absolutely right. That's yeah. fair. And I think that's, I think that's the fear for St. Cloud is I think last year there was more of an expectation for the Huskies to have a bit more of a rebuilding year. Now, granted, we're four games into the season, right? And so right. we've said this how many times, how rational and, calm and collected the huskies fan bases right <laughs> uh yeah, of course yes, yes yes of course right and um you know i don't know it just it just it feels weird that it's you know and, and i think you're right on the mankato part too and that is i, I was never on the train that they were going to take a giant step back you expect a little bit 
of maybe some tweaking from Luke Strand. And, and it's no different when Brett Larson came from UMD, right? He didn't reinvent right. the wheel. Uh, you know, those changes happen subtly. Um, and I think with the veteran presence that he brought in from uh, across the transfer portal, and then certainly there's some young players there. But, I mean, the, the team didn't look that different than what we saw at the beginning of last year in terms of Mankato being a strong defensive team. And they had a lot of pushback, especially in the physicality department. Yeah, I, I was expecting him to lose a lot of size, if we're being totally honest, coming into this year, just with all the transfers that were taken over to Wisconsin and, you know, bringing a couple of younger new guys in. And they didn't change their play style all that much, which was a surprise to me as well. I, I thought they would have to transition into more puck possession and trying to play a little bit of keep away. But that physicality is still there and they're still, you know, keeping that same identity they had before, seemingly anyway. And it's obviously working. So uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I, I guess that's what they're rolling with. And why would you change it at this point? Uh, at this point, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? It's working. Yeah. You, you don't deviate from something that works. And uh, I think over the course of, well, the season and then certainly, you know, as the years go by, uh, Max, we'll see if this team ends up, you know, sort of molding in terms of a different identity. But I think right now there's still very much a Mavericks team that looks very similar to what they have, you know, on in years past. And uh, I, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I, I think they're going to succeed in that regards, just because I think, you know, if you're going to change, you know, how you play, you need different talent. And that takes time to sort of, shall we say, flush the uh, proverbial um, fluid out of the out of the pipes, if you want to call it, to make a change. So that was a terrible analogy, but we tried. Um, <laughs> um, Max, uh, speaking of uh, terrible analogies, uh, to say that UMD was a defensive first team this weekend would have also been a terrible statement. But on the bright side of things, uh, when we're going to kind of take a big macro picture with the Bulldogs and kind of focus in on each night and then more so a couple of key uh, things that they did well this weekend and maybe some things they need to improve on. But uh, UMD scored a bunch this weekend. Um, now, now, granted, I don't think UMD is built, nor is it meant to score 13 goals and give up 10. But uh, if there was a bright spot from the weekend, uh, and we'll get into the the drown spot. I know you're chomping at the bit of it. Overall, uh, they scored as many goals in this weekend as they did almost all year, right? Obviously, that's a bit facetious. However, you're, you're right in saying that. Like, that's the chirp that they got. And they, they kind of lived up to that last year. Like, you would have to go pretty deep into the record books to find the last time UMD scored eight goals. And last year, five was almost out of the question most weekends too. So to see them get back-to-back games of finding the back of the net was awesome. And a lot of that was due to power play efficiency. They went four for eight on Saturday and three for seven. So when you're running at 50% on your power play, you're doing pretty well and you're going to have a lot of opportunities. And this past weekend, like, when you have 35, I think it was combined power plays between the two teams, which is insane. That's not even hockey. And I, I wanted to save this for a little bit more, but 35 penalties in two nights is too many. I don't care who you are as a referee. At that point, you just have to take a step back and be like, maybe we should let them play a little bit more. I had posted three or four different videos of quote unquote questionable calls that were just abhorrent and ridiculous and when you make a call on the ice, you have to, you don't have to review it. They reviewed it, but you have to leave a call. So they had to make up some calls at a couple of different points. And it was insane. So yes, it brought a ton of positives. UMD, UMD scored a ton of goals on the power play. On the negative side of that, they gave up a ton of goals on the penalty kill as well. There was at least three, if not four times where those penalty kills were gone in 12 seconds or less. And they just gave up immediately. So that's something that absolutely has to be fixed. 
Um, but like you said, if, if we're focusing only on the positives there, UMD's goal scoring, power play or not, and they got a shorty uh, on the weekend as well. So their goal scoring is much improved from last year, at least through three games. And tiny, tiny sample size, yet to see if they can withstand the whole season. But as it stands right now, they're they're figuring some things out and, and they're clicking. So it's, it's good to see that early um as as a contrast to what we've seen in the past so i'm i'm pretty pleased um with being able to find the back of the net from the guys there seven for 17 so far in the season for those who are net math wizards i'm not one of them but that's 41.2 percent efficiency in the power play that is just stupid ridiculous yeah. um on the back end you've given up as you mentioned six of 23 attempts that's good for 73.9 percent efficiency on the penalty kill um, I would imagine if you're Scott Sandlin, you'd, you'd want almost maybe that a bit switched up. Um, you would want the yeah. PK to be more prolific than the power play, but uh, you're well, especially when you're UMD yeah. and you yeah. get penalties called against you, Fugazi, all over the place anyway. Yeah, you're going to need your penalty kill to be significantly. <laughs> <laughs> you just, I, I, one of these days, we're going to have to get our friend Mike Schmidt into uh, one of these, who is the NCHC uh, brand new officials coordinator. Uh, for the conference and to, to kind of get his thoughts. I'd love to see that battle royale. <laughs> and, and here's like, the thing. Like, I'll say this and I said it online. It is a tough job. I will not, you know, I won't say it's not. I, I am not cut out for it. But I defy anybody that has watched hockey in, in what it's supposed to be to watch both games over this past weekend and say, yes, this was called even remotely close to how it should have been. It was insane. And I get it again. We're two weeks technically into the season. These guys are just shaking out the rust off as well and figuring things out. But it was it was tough to watch at points throughout the weekend. Like it, I mean, you were just watching, you know, uh, five on three hockey for I think twenty minutes. Not twenty minutes. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but a, a significant a portion half, of the weekend. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's just it's it's something that I I don't like. Uh, I'm always going to lean a little bit more towards let the guys play, and that comes with playing in the NCHC where it's a little bit more physical anyway. But it was um, not something that I would like to see throughout the weekend. Again, it was pretty exciting, but not the style of hockey that that I grew up playing or watching or what I would like to see in the future. So if we can rein that in just a little bit, and I think they will, um, it, it'll it'll continue to be fun. Now, you know, we, we talk about offense, we've talked about defense, Max, but uh, really where UMD has made their hallmark, at least over the past couple of seasons, and certainly in when it's had a national title run, you've had three of those, uh, goaltending has been a big part of that. Um, you know, you had mentioned to me before the show that the goaltending was not ideal. Again, you give right. up 10 goals in a weekend, you know, I think anybody would agree that there's some work to be done there. But my question to you is, is it all goaltending? And what I mean by that is, you know, when you're having that many penalties to kill, right? Regardless of how the call gets there, we could right. beat down that, you know, that rabbit hole for gosh, ages. Uh, but yep. sometimes you need your goaltender to make big saves. And other times it's the structure in front of them. Do you feel like it's on the goaltender individually, or do you feel like there's some things they have to clean up in front of their goaltending to help them out a bit? It's definitely a combination of both. Um, Saturday was kind of tough to watch. And it, again, it goes into the penalties in a little bit as well. But five goals on 28 shots is not a great start for Tyson. And he got UMD's first win of the season. So, like, yeah, you can you know rely on that as well. But you're not going to score eight goals every night. You're not going to score six goals to overcome five every night. So um, there's there's a lot to be figured out there. 
Um, there was a couple of easier ones that kind of went in, and I say easy. They were short-sighted. They were good shots. And Northern Michigan has some some really quality hockey players as far as the offensive capabilities on their team. They have for the past couple of years, um, and it's no different this year. But um, it is certainly not all on the goaltenders. There is some some learning that needs to happen in the system for the the newer guys at UMD. You don't have some of the the historic you know staples on the back end that you did before. And so we're, we're still seeing who's going to step up in that role and take control um, and, and just kind of get in the way. I mean, they're, they're not seeing as many blocked shots as they had in the past couple of years as well. And I, I think that'll improve too, but it's, it's certainly not the system that Sandal likes to run and he's not, he's not proud of these numbers either. So um, I have confidence that that will change and he's a good defensive coach that will be able to get them where they need to be. Um, and thankfully that they, they've, they've gotten some goals along the way to, to offset that while we're getting it figured out. And, uh, well, let's just put it this way, Max. Uh, we don't really worry about UMD until it basically gets second week of March. Uh, That's if they haven't figured it out by then, uh, then they, then we know that there's an issue, but really this team seems to come together at the right times when it's, you know, going to have a run and wouldn't be surprised yep. if it happens this year as well. Uh, again, just more early season jitters, right? It just kind of gives you yep. that vibe and, you know, so let's take that mindset. Let's go through each game. You know, it's a couple of things that you liked, a couple of things you didn't like. Uh, Friday's big negative, right? And I say Friday's because uh, you have a three to the lead and then there it goes. You don't. What happened? <laughs> what, what happened, right? Uh, they got too relaxed. There was a couple of uh, penalty kills that, again, were not ideal um, in terms of just the, the play that was on the ice and everything that was going into it, regardless of how we got there again. So... Yeah, the negative was there was a, another blown lead that is a, a UMD staple. Uh, I would say I'm not comfortable as a UMD fan until we were up four, and we were up four a couple of times um, on um, Saturday, and it was just like, uh, even this, with, with how the game script is going, it's only going to take three penalties for them to be right back in the game. So uh, it, it was, it was kind of nerve-wracking to see them come back so quickly, and uh, Northern Michigan in that second period just dominated UMD to start the period out. And it was a flurry of goals. So when you kind of get that avalanche, you have to sit back, get your your skate settled again, and then start all over again with the momentum build. And that's what they did. And so the positive of that, they had their first comeback of the season in the third period as well. So proving that the team can kind of get there and and figure things out and work with one another, not panic too much, um, at least after the initial the initial panic was over. And, and get back to playing the UMD hockey that everybody kind of knows. So, yes, and then a tie, but it also was another shootout win. So I, I was happy to see that as well. And then what, let's stick with the positive trains because, Max, you're yep. a glass half full kind of guy, especially if that glass is filled with beer. Um, right. yep. But uh, positives, again, you uh, first win of the season, you come on Saturday. Um, yep. I think you would probably like the score to be quite differently, but Ickles is nice. Yes, eight, eight goals is very nice. And uh, I was just looking at the, um, you know, top scorers of the nation. We've got Ben Steves up there as a sophomore now, but he's tied for sixth. And I don't expect him to stay there. I don't expect any UMD player to be in the top 10 at the end of the year. But to see someone up that high that early in the season, it's awesome. It's it's something that that we're not used to. And there was a lot of questions going into the season about whether or not he would be able to kind of maintain or match what he did last year. He's well on the way to doing that. And the six-point weekend, I think he was the NCHC uh, Offensive Player of the Weekend again. 
Uh, I would need to check that and see what the actual title was. I know he won one of the awards. So to four see him get week. two in a row, what's that? He won four of the week. Okay, forward of the week. There it is. Yeah. So it, it's good to see him getting recognized for that as well. The team is obviously relying on him quite a bit. Four goals through three games. It's a great pace to start out with. Um, again, I don't expect that to continue, but he's getting help elsewhere. Blake Biondi scored his first goal since coming back this year. Batted out of midair. His hand-eye coordination is there. He had some really good feeds and assists in front of the net. You're seeing, you know, Pionk and some of these other guys um, step up and, and pull their weight in terms of getting the points when they need to as well. And so it's looking really good. And you've got Owen Gallatin in the top 20 as far as score, scoring in the nation goes as well. So um, Dominic James, been injured. He's going to need to come back and kind of get back into that role. And hopefully that's sooner rather than later. But there's another piece that UMD didn't even have. And it's somebody that I expect to contribute for the rest of the year. So Seeing that is is going to be great if we can get that defense even back to you know seventy five or eighty percent of what it was in those those um, national championship runs. They're going to be in a really really good position. They don't need to be the give up two or three goals a game if you want to be in it type of team. Um, if they're going to keep scoring like this, and that allows you a little bit more freedom to be creative in that offensive zone and take a couple of more risks. Not that Sandlin's always going to be happy with those, but. Um, it, it, it makes the play a little bit more fun for those playmakers. And uh, I, I think we're going to continue to see Sandlin give up a little bit of the defensive if we're going to continue to see this this production on the offensive side. So um, as long as you're scoring more, you win you win your games. And that's a, a John Madden-esque quote, but it's it's absolutely true. And you take what you can get at this point, and if you play to your players' strengths throughout the year, you're going to be way better off than trying to force them, you know, a square peg into a round hole. I'd love to see how that would look on a Telestrator via John Madden. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be, jeez, uh, what that even look like? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you, Max, uh, this is a question I asked Noah at the Huskies Woman House podcast. And, uh, you know, you mentioned offense, and you, we saw it this weekend. Now, granted, we're going to talk about their next opponent here shortly. But I, I'm wondering if you noticed something. Uh, last year, and, well, really with Scott Sandlin, you know, he seems to want to be the lockdown defensive guy first. Offense kind of comes later, right? Do you get the sense that he's maybe approaching this a little bit differently where, you know, offense last year was hard to come by. It really, really Correct. was. And I, and I think, yep. you know, not to say that one season forces your change, but do you get the sense that, uh, as you said before, that Scott Sandlin would rather have maybe the opposite this year, which is, you know what, if we're going to be competitive in this conference, we got to be able to score and we'll figure out defense later. Do you get that sense or is this just – first couple of weekends, you know, sloppy play. And, you know, we're just trying to get settled in here. I think it's more the latter. I don't think that Sandlin's ever going to be the guy that's willing to sacrifice, you know, as many goals as he's giving up, as long as he's winning by one. Um, he's always going to want to keep you under three, under two if he can. But this year, it seems like he's willing to sacrifice up to three. And um, I think that that's totally fine. I, I don't expect him to change. He's, he's set in his ways a little bit, you know, hard to teach an old dog new tricks, especially when he's had the success that he has. Um, and there's a reason that he's still in that spot and, and comfortable being there. And um, if we're being frank, I don't really want him to change all that much. Uh, I've been a, a fan of teams my entire life that have kind of relied on, hey, we're going to limit your scoring. We just have to get a, a couple of good quality chances in there and capitalize on them. And, you know, if we're having an off night, we're having an off night. And I, I don't expect them to go undefeated throughout the season or anything like that. I just expect them to kind of play their game and figure it out along the way. And it's just taking a little bit longer to get there. So yes, they've given up way more goals than I would expect so far, but 
also, like we've been talking about, way better on the offensive side. So it's working out now, and that's why he hasn't had, you know, as many blowups or anything like that. But um, I'm, I'm hoping if he can get his core to where they need to be and and healthy again, we're already dealing with the health bug with UMD for like the third or fourth year in a row. Um, I, I would say that they're going to be a, a much more stout defense. And fingers crossed, it comes before we get into that that conference play where it's going to be a lot harder to do it. Uh, real quick, as we uh, get prepped for, I should say we, the uh, the Bulldogs get prepped for Bemidji, a home and home next uh, weekend. Um, so you, you talk about, you know, es- essentially, you know, kind of having a, a course correction or shall we say a reality check this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Bemidji, you know, not the most prolific of offensive teams, um, although they show a little bit of you know, flair in the first recently yeah um so that's a little bit of a new wrinkle um but also i mean historically they've been a very stout defensive team of you know a two one two four check so you know they they finish their checks every which way um so is this the right matchup at the right time for umd after sort of these offensive explosion guys are feeling good is this more of a come back to earth kind of a matchup where they're going to really have to focus on you know say i would say puck management maybe is the best way to describe it Yes, absolutely. Um, I have historically always, you know, if you're a gambler, I've always bet the under in Bemidji games, which would not have worked out well, at least for one of the games last weekend. But I'm I'm still going to fall back on the fact that Bemidji is going to be in those lower scoring hockey games. And it's just one of those things that a pesky team needs in order to continue to, to kind of fight for, for some relevancy. And I don't think that they are as inept on the scoring front as might some some national writers or other people might might overlook or, or you know put that tag on them. And UMD is not as good of a scorer as some of those people might look at and just you know see a box score and say, oh wow, they're they're turning a corner here. It's just been a, a you know in the moment things have worked out. And I think next weekend they kind of fall back into familiar territory. These teams kind of historically have played each other quite quite closely quite closely and quite physically and we continue to fall back onto that this weekend as well i i would say we're going to see no more than five maybe six goals total in both games and that's going to be playing probably more towards bemidji's um favor but i think umd if they can get some quality goaltending and kind of get back to the defensive style that they want It'll be good. If they give up more than the three goals, I think they're going to have a tough time replicating what they have um, so far this season on the scoring front. But yeah, I I would say Bemidji, specifically when you're playing up at the Sanford Center, it's just like, it's always tough. They've got such a good atmosphere. And for one of the smaller schools in D1 hockey, um, from from an attendance standpoint, they show up. Like they, They always get the home crowd there and it's tough to play there. So a um, little bit of nerves going away from from Amsoil for UMD for the first time on the season as well. Going to be playing into that. So it's going to be um, a, a good test to see how they kind of step up outside of their comfort zone. Real quick, Max, uh, as we do a quick two-minute sort of like recap of the conference as a whole, right? Uh, again, yep. Minnesota Duluth, a tie and a win. So now they sit at 1-0-2. Oh, uh, we talked to uh, St. Cloud State. They're now 1-3. and three. Again, two of those coming in overtime. Still a loss yep. either way. It's not great. Now, North Dakota swept the Icebreaker Tournament. There's no shock there. Uh, yep. Omaha, how about that? 2-0 uh, oh on their season so far uh, after a very close 2-1 uh, to one victory. Um, on Saturday night, uh, Western so Michigan. Niagara, won. Right? Yes, it was. Yep, Niagara. Okay. Yep, one on one for uh, Western Michigan. Colorado College. How about this? Uh, seven and six goals. You talk about a team 
at scoring goals. They're two and all in the year. Same with Denver as nope. uh, uh, the pioneers. I uh, had a pretty nice weekend overall, uh, but I want your reaction on Miami who has won three straight games. Now you can call it what it is. It's against Canisius, but what's the biggest storyline out of this weekend? Is it Colorado college of seven goals? Is it Miami winning three straight? Yes. I know it's non-conference Um, or how about, how about this is, What's we'll throw, we'll throw St. Cloud losing to, to Mankato? What's your biggest storyline out of the conference so far this weekend? Uh, you know, I, nobody expected St. Cloud to have this rough of a start, so everybody's going to want to say that. But those are, whether you want to say they're old or new or they don't have enough history to them or whatever, those are in-state rivalries. Maybe not their biggest in-state rivalry by any means, but that's what they are. So you're going to get fans traveling there. You're going to have some mixed crowds. You're going to have, uh, you know, some jitters, guys who have played against each other growing up. And that all plays into it, whether you want to, you know, admit it or not. So um, I wouldn't say that that is the biggest surprise for me. Um, Colorado College's ability to score is rivaling UMD's ability to score this year. Neither of these teams are, are known for for putting numbers up on the scoreboard. And, you know, they've got a great goaltender to backstop them in Colorado as well. So Jaden Barrico was a certified stud last year and he just needed a little bit of help from the scoring or defensive front. And it looks like he's getting that this year. So there's certainly a team to watch out for. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Max. Uh, CC scoring 13 goals, I think was huge. Uh, I think Miami, yeah, it's, it's a storyline uh, because they haven't really enjoyed that much consistent success over the past little bit, three games in a row for them is, is nice. Um, again, against Canisius, see what you want about that. Um, so the NCHC, if anything, is setting up for themselves to be quite the gauntlet when it comes to conference play. Sayonara uh, to Max Swish and uh, this episode of MNCAA, I should say this segment, because uh, we are covering each conference as a whole. So that will do it for the NCHC portion of things.